T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Well, welcome uh, to Hardline. It's Sunday. It is Hardline. This is what we do every Sunday, 10 to noon on WBEN. And uh, we've got a guest uh, that, you know, I got to be honest with you. I I had read in February uh, an article in the Buffalo News. And, you know, to be totally fair, when you see uh, we're, we're so polarized in our politics that when you see people that are are perceived uh, to have differences of worldview and ideology and you look at folks uh, that are getting hammered by the Buffalo News. You know, Republicans are the ones that always say it's the it's a Democratic newspaper. It's a far left newspaper. So when I see the Buffalo News attacking someone who sees the world differently than I see it, there are times that you sit back and say, well, let them beat each other up. But in this situation, I read about Nathan Hare. I've heard about L. Nathan Hare, is, is, uh, if you want to Google him, but Nathan Hare, uh, this is a, a man whose reputation precedes him. Uh, a, he's a part of a pillar in Western New York. And what we're we're talking about is someone who has dedicated his life to service and a piece that was uh, written by uh, Matthew Spina and Mary uh, Pasiak uh, from the Buffalo News back in February. And it seemed to precede a, a, just a litany of other articles by the Buffalo News. And one of the things I was not hearing was I wasn't hearing from Nathan Hare. I wasn't hearing your side of this piece. Now, we're talking about the CAO of Western New York. Uh, this is an organization uh, that was created in, I think, 1964. 65, actually. 1965. Right. This was President Johnson's War on Poverty. Right. Uh, we're not talking about a couple hundred thousand dollars affecting 20 or 30 people. We're talking about a budget of $50 million. That serves 55,000 people. That serves 55,000 people, but as we mentioned, we, we, we just got into a, a very long conversation. I'd like to continue on the air sure. if I could. But first and foremost, I want to get back to February of this year. It's really kind of started at the end of 2018. The rumors were that there was something that was going on at the CAO, that there was a coup d'etat mm-hmm. going on with the leadership at the CAO. And people have uh, connected this to your relationship with the mayor your connections with some attorney that is the most powerful attorney in America, <laughs> that he could have solved this situation. You didn't respond to the Buffalo News, but you wrote an op-ed that I read, and it wasn't published in the Buffalo News. Right. So first and foremost, I want to say, do you believe that you have been treated fairly by the Buffalo News? Well, absolutely not. I mean, you can't be more unfairly treated you know, than I have been treated by the Buffalo News. And when people say, well, you know, Nate, why didn't you uh, send something to the Buffalo News and respond? The truth is, every single thing that they wrote, I sent something to respond to that immediately. They asserted things. I provided documentation uh, supporting what it was that I was saying, and they never published it. I finally got an email from the chief editor, Mike Conley, and his rationale to me was I didn't publish the stuff that you wrote because it contained contested facts. Everything that you're saying, 
It contains contested facts. <laughs> did you burn the house down? No, I did not. That is a contested fact. So, so to fact. give you just a little bit of background on this thing, um, as I was telling you before, sometimes you have situations that happen in community-based organizations that have really, truly community-based boards, and I'll explain that over the course of the program, what a community-based board is for us, that uh, people wind up being on your board that really don't have much background in terms of professional organization and see themselves because they become the chairperson of the board as if they're the boss of the CEO of the corporation. And they really want to be the boss of the CEO of the corporation. So that created a certain amount of tension between myself and the uh, board chairperson. And what happened over the course of time, a lot of this stuff, I mean, there's, there's nothing that they've stated that was any particular financial thing. They kept saying- No, no, let, let's, I'm going to go through the points that they brought right. up and just, you want to talk about vague Let's right. talk about vague. <laughs> First of all, how long have you been in this position? Since June of 2002, so 17 years. We're talking about 17 years. Now, normally, the organizations I'm a part of, if I'm dealing with incompetent people, I can identify that in about 24 months. Mm-hmm. You can hide for a little bit. But you can't but hide, you can't for, hide 17 for 17 years. years. <laughs> I'm just saying, you can't hide for 17 years. Now, three quarters of... Of, of this budget is coming from taxpayer dollars. Right. Right. And the reason why many people will look at this and say, well, there needs to be a higher accountability because it's taxpayer dollars. Right. I would make the argument that $50 million is $50 million. You should be accountable for $50 million at and, any rate. And, That's a lot of right. money. And I want people to understand we have an extremely high level of accountability. The Department of State, which is our primary regulator, they visit our be- our meetings, generally two out of every three of our board meetings, somebody from the Department of State actually comes without notice, and they sit in our, our meetings. Uh, we get reviewed by Health and Human Services, the Office of Head Start, by the Department of State routinely. I mean, we get a review of some kind every single year. Sometimes we get two or three reviews in the same year because of the timing of how these uh, reviews take place. Uh, so I, I just want to get to this January 4th, 2018. You received right. what, what is described by this disgruntled board member mm-hmm. as a written warning. Okay, now when I look at a written warning, it is, uh, you know, Mr. Hare, please stop bringing a gun to work. Right. Or Mr. Hare, could you stop using profanity in front? That's a written warning. Right. It's a behavioral situation. You got a letter on January 4th, 2018 that basically said, there were deficiencies. And when we get to the deficiencies, it's your inability or unwillingness to address the deficiencies that were in the letter on January 4th. Mm-hmm. That's still not talking about what the deficiencies are. Well, not only that, she's the board president. She's not my boss. If you go to the January uh, 2018 board meeting, the, they, they meet every two, uh, two months, the March uh, uh, meeting, the May meeting, and so on, You don't see a word in the board meetings about this. This was something that she did on her own. So the board is ultimately any CEO is is accountable to a board. To a board. And that board, if they're having a meeting and and there's a continuing problem where you're late or the job isn't getting done or there's missing money, that's going to come up in a board meeting. In a board meeting, in the minutes of the board meeting. Right. And if the board has an issue, the board would direct you. So- she could not on her own send this kind of a letter. She did this because she felt that nobody would react to it. She just did it on her own. And what her issue was is they wanted uh, finance reports 
formatted in a way that to me didn't make sense. Um, that would be very difficult for us to do, and it gets really technical to explain the detail. Well, on see, that. I just want to get to the thirty-five thousand foot approach now. How many right. board members are at the CAO? We're eighteen board members. We had at that time, and, and how many people went to the Buffalo News? Uh, there were two. Okay, so so of the eighteen people, did the Buffalo News contact the other sixteen board members? From my understanding, they have not. They they have over the course of time, they've tried to to get to some other board members, but I don't recall them having uh, spoken to more than like four. Okay, so so this article uh, comes out. It said uh, previously the board has met with you to discuss deficiencies. Well, I would argue that the board would meet with you all the time since you're right. the chairman of the board. And what would the deficiencies be? So the deficiency that she's talking about is these uh, finance reports. But I actually had a study done uh, bringing three independent agencies together to look at all of our processes. That was in December of 2016. And then we began to implement all of those processes over the course of the following year and a half. And the board was a part of all that product. We report on it in every board meeting. Well, when it comes to the finance department, there's a bit of uh, they're upset that you lost $250,000 from a grant. Not we lost two hundred fifty thousand dollars because it went out the window and there's no right. receipts for it. You're and, driving around a you know a Lamborghini. Right. The, I, the grant was lost. Right. And I just want to be clear about that. That again is another one of these. Uh, I'm going to call it a misstatement so that I don't put in a, a pejorative on that. Right. But including her state saying it was it, it was a misstatement because this was a grant that I had gotten for a program that I had created called a Home Improvement Resource Program. I created the program and operated it for a year with no grants. I just used excess capacity for people that we had on staff. The program worked. I started campaigning to get money to actually fund the program. Crystal Peoples helped me to get some money through the Office of of, uh, Children and Family Services. That worked for a couple of years. Then they weren't able to maintain that grant. That's the grant she says that I lost. There was no RFP for it. There's nothing that you could apply for. This was discretionary money that the uh, uh, majority leader was able to, 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 to provide for me. But over the course of that two-year period that I was getting the money from OCFS, I developed four other grants that used that same structure. So by the time we, we didn't get that renewal of the 250000 from OCFS, I had $1.7 million coming from other sources so that that program was actually a much bigger program at that point. This, again, is people just saying stuff that is it sounds true, but it's not really true. Well, let, let's talk about your record as the chairman of the CAO. When you started this thing, there were about 350 employees, right. a budget of $23.5 million. Right. And, Today. And they were circling the drain. That's the reason why they came to me in the first place, because right. they were in such deep trouble that they were about to go out of business. 17 years later, right. we have a now, $50 million right. budget. Actually, $52 million. <laughs> $52 million we budget. We have 850 employees. Okay. And we go from serving something like uh, nine or 10,000 people to serving 55 to 56,000 people. And uh, there have actually, the Head Start program, which every politician mm-hmm. is going to say, especially in the Democratic Party, right. their presidential candidates running on expansion of Head right. Start. Everyone's right. talking Head Start. The CAO in in Western New York, you guys are the agency right. that runs Head Start. Right. So you cannot have any Democrat elected today 
that is going to run around talking about how great Head Start is and how important it is to our community mm-hmm. and say, but unfortunately, the, the chairman of the group that runs Head Start has all of these major deficiencies, and he is so absolutely horrible that he has to be removed. Right, and, and of course, that just never, n- never took place. In fact, uh, they made a big issue about a, there's a, a study called a class study. It's the name of a t- particular kind of a review that Health and Human Services does of your Head Start program. They picked one indice where we had a really low uh, number, uh, a, a, a rating. I think it was like a 30% rating, you know, in that area, the net uh, uh, rating. Uh, they took that one indice and they treated that as if that was the indice for the entire uh, uh, agency. When you actually looked at the numbers, and I, I've actually provided the documents, I can give it to you right now, uh, you'll see that the agency was up in the 70 75%, 80% range on all but one of these indices. So, again, this was the news reporters taking a fraction of a piece of information and making it seem like that was the the whole deal and then making it seem like the agency was you know, going out of business, well, that's not the deal. Well, we're talking with uh, Nathan Hare. He is the uh, chief executive of one of the most powerful organizations in all of Western New York, the CAO of Western New York. There have been a series of articles written in the Buffalo News. This man has had no opportunity to defend himself in a public uh, platform. We've got a, a, a pretty big audience here. We're giving him that opportunity, yep. and we're hitting him with everything he got hit in the Buffalo News. The only difference is you have a chance to respond. Right. And, and I think that's only fair to do uh, when a man's character is, is being maligned. We're going to get more uh, with, with Nathan Hare. I want to get into audits, previous audits. The man's been running this organization for 17 years. We heard about the Department of Justice, the FBI. Well, the state's audited him for 17 years. We're going to hear about some of those audits and how they came back and uh, more. It's Hardline. Yep. Welcome back to Hardline. We've got Nathan Hare in studio. He's the chief executive of the uh, CAO of Western New York. This is an organization that was created in 1965 in President Johnson's War on Poverty. Uh, 17 years ago, when Nathan Hare took over this job in 2002, it was about $23.5 million, uh, maybe 350 employees. Today, that number is a $50 million budget. Two-thirds of that is, is from the government. But one of the main things that the CAO does Again, this was designed to have stakeholders in a community deciding the best course of action for people in going through poverty, homelessness. The Head Start program is something you will hear every elected official, Democrats, 2020 candidates running on Head Start. This is the most one of the most important uh, you know organizations on the left to the Democratic Party. You have a chairman uh, of the CAO of Western New York who's being accused of some of the most vague, without any bite, no merit whatsoever, these allegations mm-hmm. in the Buffalo News. Nobody has given Nathan Hare a, a, a chance to get a microphone and say, defend yourself. Mm-hmm. This, this is a man who's dedicated his life to the community. Now, I want to get to, you've been audited uh, for 17 years. Right. And you're not audited by, you know, uh, in, internal audit from the board. You're not audited from, you know, a, a group that just comes in, uh, volunteer high school students. You're, you're audited by the state of New York. The, matter of fact, the state of uh, the secretary of the state of right. New York. 17 years of audits. Mr. Hare, 
What has the result been of 17 years of audits? Every audit that we have had since I've been there, we've had a clean audit. What I mean by a clean audit is that there were no unresolved findings in the audit. There are always things that come up in audits where uh, we didn't find this until we found it. We, we found it in a different folder than we found than we found right. the other the other piece of paper. Or uh, you didn't pay somebody in 30 days; you paid them in 35 days. You know, things like that come up. They give you recommendations of what you need to do to address that, and that's it. No missing money, you know, no deficiencies in our processes and procedures, no what we call a going concern where you've got uh, bills you didn't pay from the previous uh, fiscal year that weren't paid in, you know, in the next fiscal year, things like that. None of that uh, occurred. All clean audits. And the audits say, it's not me, that's not me characterizing the audits, the audits say that this is a clean audit. So. Well, the, the allegations go on, uh, this board uh, termination letter that you received, and it says that there's a loss of confidence and trust in your character. Now, let me tell you, if I'm going to have a disagreement with you, mm-hmm. I could talk about the issues, I could talk about the actions, the fruits, uh, which you have shown mm-hmm. to, but when I go after a man's character, right. I mean, listen, th- people talk about your salary You've been around long enough where if you were in the private sector, you could make a ton of money. This salary is not at all indicative of what you have given back to the community and what you can make outside. Well, Let's I just be honest. People is if, if business first pr- produces a report every year on the top not-for-profits in the area right. and also produces a report on the top salaries of the top not-for-profits in the area. My salary never comes up at all because even though I've been the number two or three largest not-for-profit that's not a school or a healthcare organization in Erie County, my salaries have been lower than the top hundred uh, uh, not-for-profit uh, company salaries in Erie County. But but to have your character, right? That is one of the most outrageous things right. I've ever read. Now, right. why are you attacking? Nathan Hare's character. What has he done? Is he parking in handicap spots? Is he slapping people? No, but these are legitimate allegations if I'm going to make that. So here's what we have. We have a board member that that they this president of the board decides to write this letter. You misrepresented your knowledge of the removal of a board member. I want to get to the allegation of mm-hmm. you misrepresenting anything. I also want to talk about the FBI and the Department of Justice, yeah. which are quoted in this piece. And we're going to get to Erie County, too. We're talking to Nathan Hare. He is the chairman of the CAO of Western New York. And we're responding to a Buffalo News hit piece three months ago. And, mm-hmm. they, and it's piling on. It's right. snowballing. Just continuing to make mountains out of nothing out of air we're going to go through every point in this termination letter to you which by the way was a failed uh, termination uh, on your part and we're going to get to how that happened Mm -hmm. all after this it's hardline welcome back to hardline we've got nathan harry in studio he is the chairman of the cao of western new york organization created in 1965 uh president johnson war on poverty uh when you started 17 years ago this was a budget of $23.5 million. It's now $50 million. This organization runs Head Start. Everyone in the Democratic Party loves Head Start. There was an article written in February of uh, 2019 by the Buffalo News that took a letter from a board member. There's 18 board members, and a third of that board is elected officials. Mm-hmm. And the other third, so we have 18 people, two people came forward. Mm-hmm. 
and made allegations of your character, of the fact that you are responsible for a grant of $250,000 to not be renewed, which I've never heard anyone be accountable for that. (laughs) But I want to get to a part here that this really rubbed me the wrong way. And this was a statement made by Mark Polenkars, who is the Erie County executive. Mm -hmm. And he said not, I mean, I've heard him talk about Head Start more than any elected official in Western Mm -hmm. New York. I've heard him just talk about your organization. This is one of the most important parts of Western New York, what the CAO does every single day. Yet when asked about a statement about how he feels about you and these allegations, again, we've gone through every allegation completely. There's no teeth to any of it. Mm -hmm. He said that he is going to wait until a full audit is done Mm -hmm. by Erie County. Now, that would imply that of your $50 million budget, Surely Erie County has got to be good for at least 20 to $30 million. A big chunk of it. A big think. chunk of it. Right. He's going to wait for the audit to come back to see whether or not your character, whether you're a felon, whether you've escomped, you know, taken millions of dollars mm-hmm. in bond. How much money is Erie County given the CAO? $11,500 a year. Out of the $52 million budget. $52 million. This guy's giving you $11,500, and he could not make a public statement in support of 17 years of service? And just to put a fine point on it, every year that we we close our books for the kind of contract we have with the county, we actually send the county photographic records of every single transaction that makes up the $11,500 that they contract with us for, for services in Erie County. We send them the exact documents, every do- the, the purchase requests or, or, or orders, the invoices, the paid receipts. We send them the exact document. So you can audit it yourself. You don't have to audit it. It's already self-audited. So, so <laughs> when this vote goes through, 18 members are on the board. Mm-hmm. The vote is done in October and the vote only consists of eight people through a tele teleconference. Right. Okay. Not even a teleconference. A phone. Uh, 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 yeah. Like, uh, like an iPhone right, conferencing right, people. Right, right. This is this is just on the telephone. This is not like a Skype conference. Right. So I'm just trying to think of what a quorum would be. Well, a quorum would be six out of uh, out of eighteen. Okay. But what's interesting about this is that uh, letter was sent from this faction on October nineteenth. October 26th, because it takes a while. Remember, in order to call a special meeting at the board, you got to do it by your bylaws. So the meeting that they called to do this uh, board vote uh, on October 17th or whatever they uh, took this vote, that was a no meeting because it, it was not called appropriately. But the board did have another meeting of the full board on October 26th. At that meeting, they nullified Everything that was supposedly done in this meeting that they claim uh, there was a vote to terminate me, the whole board nullified that seven days later. So it cannot be what the news has continued to put forward that the board, you know, terminated the, you know, uh, uh, me. The board did this. The board did that. That's not true. Well, uh, let's talk about some other things that turned out not to be true. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a report in this article, uh, the second article that that was the follow-up to this. There's a mention that the FBI and the Department of Justice sat down to interview some of these two disgruntled board Mm -hmm. members. Now, the FBI has no comment 
on anything because that's not what they do. Right. But I can just tell you from the limited amount of experience I've had watching the FBI work in the last two years for the Trump thing, and mm-hmm. they interview and then they indict. And you saw Chris Collins' situation. Chris so. Collins. <laughs> you don't answer the door at 6 a.m. The FBI doesn't want coffee. Right. They want. So I'm saying right now I'm not having a conversation with Nathan Hare. Mm-hmm. If four months ago the FBI and the Department of Justice sat down and there was actionable evidence that there was something going on, mm-hmm. you are not here. Right. You are under indictment or right. you are in the Southern District of New York or certainly someone is going to notch their belt by taking out the chairman of the CAO of Western New York mm-hmm. for taking money or doing something unethical. Right. So why would you even put that in the article? If the FBI has no formal statement, you're basically getting a quote from someone who's giving you a quote of a third party right. of a meeting that we don't even know actually happened. Right. So that just tells you something about these reporters for the Buffalo News and the, and the editor who allows that stuff to go into the newspaper. That doesn't go in the newspaper by itself. Somebody who's an administrator at the Buffalo News had to go along with that. What their agenda is, I'm, it's not for me to be able to say that. That would be. Oh, their agenda is to take you out. Right. I, I'm telling you, that's what their agenda is. Right. It's it's quite it's black black and white right. here. And the other thing is that there's this meeting that happened with the mayor and a member mm-hmm. of the board, mm-hmm. and somehow this is looked as like a smoky room, nefarious. They met in a coffee shop, right. and you know, not exactly. That's not deep throat in right. the parking garage on right. the bottom floor. Right. They met in a public spot. They sat down and had coffee, and they talked about what was going on on the board. Right. And this was written to almost imply what business is it of the mayor of Buffalo to know anything that's going on at the CAO of Western New York. Surely he's sticking up for his friend Nathan Hare. He's not looking out for what the best thing is for the CA. But the answer to that is that he certainly has a vested interest in what happens to the CAO. It's his city that is receiving support, and it's also he's supplying a third of those board members that are coming from right. his office. Well, they're not. He's not supplying a third of the board members. He's supplying just one. I'm sorry. Right. He's, so, but so, but these are elected officials, right. all part so, of the same. So in a tripartite board, one third of the members have to be low income people or live in a low income community. One third have to be elected officials. One third have to be private sector people that they call community interest. One of the elected officials that's represented on our board is the mayor's office. So Got the mayor it. gets to designate a person on the board. So obviously. If you're designating somebody on the board of the CAO and that that designee calls you up and says, Mayor, craziness is going on at the CAO. Somebody's trying to fire Nate Hare. Of course he would step up and say what's going on and try to get his arms around what's what's happening. But it's not because the CAO is owned by the mayor. We have five other elected officials that designate people to the board. We have people that work for private companies who designate who are represented on the board. We have low-income people that are members of the board. This is just a, uh, a fallacy and a hoax that's being perpetrated by these reporters for the Buffalo News. So you're out of a job, they fire you, and then all of a sudden the tables turn in a very quick period of time, and a letter is sent uh, to the, the legal counsel of the CAO. 
not your personal legal mm-hmm. counsel, but the legal counsel that right. represents the CAO of Western New York. And they say that the letter, uh, that due to a deficiency in your qualifications and the process used by the board to consider and vote on your election, that the action of the board, uh, that you're basically, the people that did this aren't board members of the CAO. Right. Now, right. why would you have people that really aren't board members on the CAO be on the CAO, and then all of a sudden when they vote to, to basically terminate you, you're like, oh, by the way, you're actually not a board member. How does that work? Well, what had been happening is the chair of the board over the course of uh, roughly April of 2018 through uh, October of 2018 had been literally winnowing people off of the board, sort of discharging people, kicking them off of the board uh, because she wanted to get the board down to a small enough level that the votes that she felt she had control of would become the majority of whatever was left. That's what she was really trying to do. She got the board down to where there was only 11 people left on the board in uh, at the end of September and uh, uh, only two of those or, or two of those 11 people were non-participating people. They were either sick or had other kind of issues that were going on. So that left, left nine people. So they ended up having a meeting with eight people, and they got a majority of the eight people uh, to vote on this uh, uh, notice. But the notice itself was invalid because the meeting it, itself was invalid. Then the people that made up many of the people that were on the board that were left were people that were not elected legitimately to the board. Now, because I'm not a board member, I'm not in a position to decide who gets to be or not be on the board. The board has to do that. All I can do is advise people. I have been working with the board from February of 2018 on trying to help them identify people to fill board seats and to deal with these board people that look like they may not properly be on the board. But she's playing a different game. She's trying to get control of the board for the agenda that she's trying to uh, to mount. So I took it to the uh, 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 law firm that is the firm that the agency uses uh, for its legal advice and let them look at this entire process, just like the issue with regard to me. When I received this so-called letter of termination, I went to the uh, uh, the, the law firm and I said, well, how can that be if there's no motion of the board you know that that says that I'm I'm terminated. How can some person say that I'm terminated from the board? Well, well, here's the other thing too. How does an organization run when the president is actively trying to take out the chairman? I mean, so what ends up happening is you're not terminated; they're terminated. Right. That's <laughs> so, what ultimately. No, but if you talk right. about a juxtaposition, right? I mean, you go after it'd be like you know Mueller goes after Trump, and Mueller is not only fired but he's you know disbarred out of the entire process right. it was the colleagues of the board that said not only do we not agree with you taking out the chairman you're not you shouldn't even be here like right. the, you're there are people that are basically squatting on the board right. without that's, any fundamentally that that's yeah. what was what was occurring so we got you all did a coup d'etat <laughs> right. with people that aren't even a member of the military right so all of that we got straightened out so we've re- we've replaced uh, virtually all of those board members with new board members that we've gone through this, you know, proper vetting process and and so on. So we've got our governance issues in in the right space uh, right now. It's unfortunate that you know we continue to get this campaign on the part of the Buffalo News trying to denigrate the community action organization. When even in spite of all of this stuff, I have in front of me a letter from the. Um, 
Health and Human Services that says that there are no unresolved, uh, it's in in, in my hands here, there are no unresolved uh, findings uh, against the community action organization. There's nothing else. This is the letter right here. It says, based on the information gathered during our review, we have closed, this is uh, February uh, 9th of this year, we have closed the previously identified findings. Accordingly, no corrective action is required at this time. If you have any questions, contact our Administration for Children and Families uh, regional office. I can give you all kind of documentation showing you that uh, the CAO has, we, we have issues that happen like every other large organization. Our issues get put on the table. We address those issues. We are audited and reviewed by uh, Health and Human Services, the Administration for Children and Families, the Department of State. <laughs> we can, it's you know, unbelievable. We have some COEAC Financial Services that does an independent audit. So we just get audited all the time. And, of course, our audits come up clean because we're doing clean work. It doesn't mean that we don't have a mistake happen every now and then, but that's the process. That's the reason why you have these independent reviews so that if something is happening that's not good, you fix it, you know, and you fix it right away. I want to get to some of the issues that the community is dealing with and mm-hmm. some of the things that you do on a daily basis and get your point of view on a bunch of other things. I also want to talk, uh, we're going to take a break here, but I want to talk, were you shocked that this happened from the Buffalo News? I mean, if it was a right-wing radio guy or if it was an elected official that doesn't see the world, a total opposite ideology, that's one thing. But, but the Buffalo News... I went back and looked at articles written about the CAO in the last 10 years, and I hear, no, I mean, there's, you should be, you know, a helium balloon, the amount of smoke that they've blown, you know, how incredible you are. You would think that you were a candidate for mayor five yeah. years ago. Honestly, I think that there's something else going on with the Buffalo News that's more recent, and that, you know, Buffalo News has lost a lot of readership over the course of the past seven or eight years. I don't know what really is at play here, but I do know that this is a very disingenuous, dishonest campaign, a malicious campaign. They cannot say that this is something that's being done with integrity. I have provided document after document after document, which I have in my hand, uh, evidencing the things that I'm saying. You even wrote not bad. Say again? You even wrote not bad. wrote an op-ed, right? That was not printed. They would not print. Right. You have to go on the Buffalo News electronic, you know, uh, uh, newspaper site and you'll see all of the responses that we've done. But you can go on the CAO's website, www.caowny.org. My plug now. www.caowny.org. And you'll see on the first page uh, on the left hand column, you'll see all of the different articles that we have uh, submitted. Just click them, and you can read them for yourself. All of the documents that support them are there on the on the uh, website. So I don't have to hide anything. Everything that I'm talking about, I evidence. The Buffalo News just sets aside the evidence, and just every time they get uh, evidence of something they said wasn't true, they just start saying something else. Well, <laughs> we're, we're gonna take a break. We come back. We'll have more Nathan Hare, CAO of Western New York. It's Hardline. Welcome back to Hardline. We've got Nathan Hare, uh, the chairman of the CAO of Western New York organization. but been around since 1965, uh, 17 years at the helm. Recently, a series of articles in the Buffalo News, some disgruntled board members uh, came after him. And I, I've been reading the articles. I've been talking to my colleagues here at, at Intercom saying, 
how about we hear the other side? I mean, this seemed like it was just a, a pile on. It was a drive-by character mm-hmm. assassination. So you were kind enough to take this opportunity to join me, and I appreciate that, sir. I want to get out. You have defended yourself. You've gone through every one of these questions. Mm -hmm. I'm looking you square in the eye, by the way. You've got uh, what looks to be like the new uh, congressional budget in your hand of Mm -hmm. of documents. But I want to talk (laughs) about what is your motivation for doing what you do. I would be bitter after this. I'm seriously. You've got a lot more wisdom. You've been around, and and this is not your first rodeo. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, with all due respect, it ain't. This is not worth it to me to, to, to do something that you're passionate, to do something that you believe in, have all these people follow you and then have a, this attempted really an amateurish coup that they tried to stage. To, but again, that article you can Google. Mm-hmm. You're st- this is going to be on the Internet forever. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to be able to have your reputation and character defend what you've done for, for the, the last, rest of my life, for the right. rest of your life. Right. But. Why? Why are you still doing this? What is the motivation? What is a good day for you after something like this? So motivation-wise, I grew up believing. I grew up in the era uh, we were just kind of ending the apartheid era in this 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 country, and I basically grew up with the value that somebody has to be willing to be the generation that's willing to pay a price for the generations of the people that are going to follow you. You got somebody has to pay the price to create the structures, to create the equity that the people that follow you are going to be able to build their lives around. Equity doesn't, as you know, equity doesn't happen by itself. Work creates equity. Self-investment creates equity. And so I just felt that it, it fell on me. I seemed to know how to do it. I was, I was good at it. And um, I, I just felt that I was drawn. I had a calling, you know, to, to, uh, uh, to take on this role uh, in my life. Now, in terms of what we do with our community itself, you know, how do, how do we connect this community to the processes? We have such disintegration, you know, in our communities. People don't really have a good uh, foundation under themselves about who they are and what they can expect, you know, of themselves. Somebody has to connect the dots, you know, for people and help them uh, to build structures that allow them to be able to reach the rungs on the ladders, uh, economic ladders in this country. So I'm just a part of that cadre of people in this society who does that work, and I hope that I'm doing reasonably well. When you look at 17 years that you've been doing this, the budget has doubled. The employees have almost one and a half right. you know, uh, multiplied. And, but the results, right? Mm-hmm. When you look at, you talk about communities that are violent communities that are no longer violent. Right. Uh, families that, you know, you have to have interaction with these people that have had their lives affected by the work that's done at the CAO. This is what, you know, in fact, my staff, I, I give the credit to my staff, to tell you the truth, because they're the ones who are working uh, case to case, household to household, uh, child to child, family, parent to, uh, uh, and, and child. They're the ones who really are doing this work. But when you see people who uh, were, uh, undereducated people that were going through e- uh, 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 legal difficulties, families that have been broken up, kids taken away from their families, people losing their homes, never be, never ever having a home, 
people being denied the access to uh, 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 or educational opportunity, now having access to educational opportunity. When you see those things happening, you feel that what you're doing is making a difference. We did an, an assessment. I know you would probably catch on with what I'm about to say. Uh, we did an assessment of the economic value in 19 uh, or 2017 of all of the things we done, people that we kept out of nursing homes, people that we got jobs, people that we got uh, advanced education, you know, and so on. It turned out to be a value of something like $223 million. That would have been taxpayer dollars. That's right. Or, 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 or dollars that we didn't earn. That's uh, right. Dollars that we had to spend, you know. Right. No, so, no. That, that is saving you, money. And I know you buy, buy this, right? You know, when, when a guy goes to jail, not only do you lose his income, you know, twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year coming into the community, you got to spend twenty five thirty five thousand dollars a year to take care of him while he's in in prison. Right. That's a tremendous. And then his family that, that is you behind, go. you've got to there take care go. of that family right. as well. I want to talk more. You stay with me for another segment. Sure. I want to talk more about these existential issues and and uh, see if we have common ground, more common ground. Right. I appreciate that. It's Nathan Harris, CAO. Uh, now it's news. It's hardline. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.